I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Welcome to this week's Lost of Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by the wonderful Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. <laughs> Not even my wife says that. Evening, Tom. How are you? Well, I just thought, you know, I say the same thing every week and I thought I'd just chuck in that. You know, do I necessarily mean it? I don't know. But, uh, you know, you're always wonderful to me. So there we go. Fine. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> sort of giving it to you and then taking it back, isn't it? It's, well, uh, please. You know. Do so. There we go. Uh, we're also joined uh, by Will from golfbettingblog.com. Will, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, nice no, to be here. I think we're all kind of um, a little bit fatigued, aren't we, from uh, a West Coast US Open. Um, Jason, it seems to be that any time you know, there's a back nine bit of drama, everyone should be in bed. Uh, we had it at Harding Park, didn't we, at uh, Colin Morikawa, making the eagle down here, down the 16th. And uh, it certainly happened again. Yes, they have John Rahm on 17-18. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, I think most people are right. It is a boring course. You look at you look at the holes remote and it's just straight, isn't it? <clears throat> it's just, um, there's no trees there to get stuck behind, no real dog legs, no real water to get involved in. Um, but that back nine was, it was pretty special, wasn't it? Again, the US Open has, has done its job. Mm. It was brutal. You know, I mean, you, you know, you're talking the very, very best in the world. Just couldn't do it. They just could not get round. In you know, you even talk and you go, okay, let's get, let's do the back nine in one over. They couldn't do that. You know, Morikawa, as you know, you know, I was on Morikawa as my main bet. I'm not moaning because he got the place, but just had a brain fart or whatever. Chose to hit three wood from the cabbage from 300 yards out, which was a tactical error. Be fair to him, he came back at the end. But yeah, you, you look at them. Xander, Rory was uh, disappointing, shall we say, down, down the stretch. Uh, obviously, Bryson did what Bryson does or what we expect him to do sometimes. Um, just fell apart and, and away they went. Brooks lost it. Um, and to the top two, John Rahm and Louis, um, apart from Rory, I think, were, were probably the best two of the whole week. And Rahm was outstanding. I mean, he got that um, bit of luck when it didn't go out of bounds. But then was it luck? Because had we have seen the ball, we never would have assumed it had gone out of bounds mm. if the hit on the, on the side had pointed over the fence. And whether he was saying, Ronsil, you need to Ronsil that side, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, apparently went out to 60. Now, bear in mind that people are betting on what the this old geezer standing by a fence was doing. Um, quite incredible. Um, but, yeah, how can you knock him? You know, four under, in contention, Absolutely brilliant. Attitude was fantastic. Uh, it's, it's pro- well, Cadley as well at Memorial works, even though he didn't win because Ram won. Um, he fitted all the stars, as we discussed on the pod, you know, and he went in. And we said last week, John Ram, the only reason why we weren't on was because you can have two of the next lot for the price of a Ram. But turns out, you know, Rams are more valuable. I think... I think the thing was is that everyone was kind of in agreement, as we spoke about earlier, that everyone was in agreement that he had a very, very good chance. Um, and there was no discounting that was a will about it, you know, his obvious candidate. But it was the it was the distinction between him as the favourite and others behind, like Jason just said there, you know, we've got you could have had a couple from the top and really you know, you had Rory at twenty to one, okay, he didn't finish very well, Xander was twenty to one, US Open specialist, kept eighteen to one. 
Um, and you've got John Rahm, who we presume was going to be a very volatile at US Open. And, you know, if that, if that had gone out of bounds, I, I would assume, you know, maybe wrongly, that he would have had a, a bit of a meltdown. Everyone would have been proven right about, uh, you know, taking 9 10 to 1 about John Rahm. You'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, given what happened to him the week before, and God knows where he would have been mentally after that, it would have been uh, it would have been a struggle for him, I think, personally. But um, yeah, you're right. I think you know I was on Morikawa as well. Uh, like Jay said, God knows what happened to him. Uh, possibly the best ball striker on tour just turned into oh, I don't know what he hit there. To be quite <laughs> honest, it was um, it was shocking. But um, yeah, they just all seem to be falling apart of the seams. And for me, I think that 13, 14 onwards, it just looked like it was Rams to win, really. Oosthuizen um, was, he was holding it together, wasn't he? But, well, until the final two. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's well-deserved for Rams. And, and a nice a nice sort of, uh, what's the word, a, a nice comeback for him from, for what happened the week before. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think... Yeah, you said, Jason, about the, the course being boring. And I think in terms of a layout, I think that, that there is an element of that. But, it, but it's been getting a lot of stick about it being the terrible US Open course and it shouldn't really be hosting a major. But, you know, but really and truly, look at the score. It was six under par, won it. And, you know, it could have easily been five under par. He just had to, you know, birdie two long ones on the 17th and 18th. Um, is that not sort of the ideal scoring for US Open in this modern era? Because they want to get it to level par always, but it's... It seems difficult with the the quality of player combined with the equipment they've got these days. Yeah, it's the US Open. I mean, that's that's what happens. It's supposed to be like that, isn't it? It's supposed to be ludicrously long. And you're supposed to have ludicrous rough. Um, I guess. I mean, you know, it's it's us that we, we like the trickier tracks. We always have done. Like I said, you know, you like a tree in in the you know, middle of fairway or something. You do like a proper dog leg. Um, you know, but this is what it was, and. Uh, at the end of the day, they all play the same course, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there we are. It's it's in front of them. They all had a chance. There were so many there at minus four going down the back nine, and only two managed to beat that. So, tough. You know, the the, the rightful winner won, and there were some eye catches behind. Obviously, you know, I've no doubt that now is the time, you know, Skyler might come down off the ceiling with Guido's performance. <laughs> um, but there were some excellent performances there. I mean, there were a few eye catches behind. How much it counts, obviously, being off the pace. But yeah, look, you know, they all had the chance that you know Xander, to be fair, has done that again now. Um, had a chance of winning the big one and uh, not going through with it. And and as we've discussed, you know, Rory's not quite there at the moment. Um, hey ho, best one one. Good luck to him. And he'll, he'll win plenty more now, will he? Yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I think that. You know, the only ever knock against John Rahm in the recent majors is that he hasn't done it yet, and he hadn't really been in contention. He'd sort of been in the right finishing positions, but not really in the heat of the battle. First time he gets right in the heat of the battle, and he wins it. So I think he's he's rung the bell, he's answered the question, um, and he's probably going to be vying for favouritism for the next eight, ten, twelve majors, unless uh, unless something goes dramatically wrong. I think that's probably uh, going to be the case. Um, Back to the European Tour this week, BMW International Open. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce the golf course, but it is in Munich. Uh, Par 72, 7,283 yards. It alternates hosting duties, but it hosted here in 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017, 2019, and then all the years up until 2011 as well. 
Um, last five winners, Andrea Pavan, Andres Romero, Pablo Larafabal, Ernie Els, and Pablo Larafabal again. Um, I believe Andres Romero and Ernie Els both played in the US Open the week before. So if that's uh, an angle that you want to look at, um, then certainly that's it. I think because Jason P were quite quick to to write people off that have played in the major the week before, especially if they were in the heat of the battle. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, put all that down at the, the other tournament of the Travellers, how they do it out of the US Open. Mm. But yeah, surely, I mean, you know, we saw Victor Hovland uh, with a patch over his eye after the second round getting some sand in it. Um, I mean, he played brilliant when he came over for the desert, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, but I'd be, you know, certainly would want to be backing him um, at 13 to 2 best, given that. Um, and obviously, Louis has been, you know, under the cosh. However calm he looks, he's been under the cosh for at least two days over the weekend. You do well. I mean, it's three to one the pair, basically, um, if you couple them. You know, if you want to good luck to you, yeah, obviously, they've got the ability, Hovland's got the ability to win this by six or seven. Um, but given what given what happened last week, I just don't know how you can have any interest in backing him. Um, so those two were left, left well alone. The only thing I'd say about Louis at the moment, uh, Will, I don't know if, you, if you've got any thoughts on, on either of those two, but he's played the Masters, finished 26th, then finished 8th at the Valspar, played the PGA where he finished 2nd, obviously, then finished 18th at Moral, his next start, 2nd again yesterday. So there's a good chance that he could just come out and, and play very well again. It's just like Jason said, you've got 7-1 and 13-2 about these two players who have both been, you know, one of them's, you know, can't see out of one eye and the other one's kind of, you know, tested for very much the length of the week. Um, and you're looking at a guy that just continuously finishes second, especially in these major championships. I think it's his sixth second place finish after that win at St Andrews. Um, you know, he, even in regular events, although he's you know a class act, he does seem to um, not win as much as you would expect him to. No, I think you're right, and I wouldn't personally wouldn't go near Hovland or Usain myself. Not at those prices. I think Usain is going to be. Mentally and physically drained from from yesterday, you know. And and Hovland, how is his eye? We don't know. Hopefully he's all right. But um, no, I, I, he's a fantastic talent, Hovland. And I've no doubt he'll win a major at some point in his career. But um, uh, at that price, I cannot be going anywhere near him. I'd I'd be much happier looking further down the spectrum with uh, with you know some players around in, in at least in high double digits. I think. Yeah, I mean, look, they are the, it's the 12th and 14th best players in the world that we're talking about here in terms of the world rankings. Um, Sergio Garcia then comes in at 12 to 1, and it's a bit of a drop off, really. You've got Bernd Wiesberger at 22 to 1, who's a you know, great form and plays well in Germany, Jason. Um, Matthias Schwab, his fellow Austrian, at 25 to 1. Your favourite, Martin Keimer, at 28 to 1. That kind of rounds off the sort of top half a dozen there. Um, out of those, I think I was probably tempted by Keimer, but. You know, I, I know you're going to give us a reason not to go for him. Well, it's Mike Keimer. <laughs> former world number one. Yeah, yeah, former everything. Steve Davis was world number one, but you'd beat him now, wouldn't you? I don't know. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty um, terrible at, with that. But I mean, I must be honest, out of that lot, I, uh, Sergio and Wiesberger, hmm. easily most most tempting. I mean, obviously, Wiesberger's got, got you know, some decent form around here, and, and there is a correlation... I won't go into yet. Uh, between Scotland, um, Crans is there's a uh, correlation with as well, and, and obviously here. So, Beesberger, I thought, uh, given his European uh, form, um, a 22 to 1 against 
Hovland and Oosthausen at three to one the pair. Um, I thought that was actually quite. I won't back him, but I thought that was quite tempting. I mean, actually gagged up last time. I know it was an easier competition, but if the top two don't turn up at twenty-two to one, first or twenty-one first seven or whatever he is, um, that's huge. And he's very, you know, not only is he solid in this country in general in Germany, but you know he's he played well. He's got a fourth place finish here in the last four starts, two top twenties. Um, missed the cut if you believe in anything like that. So, what would be the reason not to back him at twenty two to one, Jace? Um, well, the fact that it's it's four days after a major and I'm bloody exhausted, <laughs> and I don't want to be reliant on the twenty two to one shot. Um. But, like I say, you know, the more and more I look at it, I mean, maybe the idea is to, you know, if you can lay the front two at around 7-2, um, it's, not, it's not very appealing because, obviously, you know, you're laying 7-2 you're laying on 4 on. Um, then fair enough. But, um, yeah, the more we talk, the more I look at it, given that we don't like the front two, Sergio, I'm not sure about. Schwab, I don't know what he's doing at these prices anyway. He's not going to win. Um, and Keimer, um, I actually think that... that Beesberg got the price is getting more tempting by the minute. So can we hurry up and move on? Okay. Or I have to have another yeah. one. <laughs> Will, any thoughts on any others in the half dozen there? No, not really. I'm sort of with Jace. I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, Sam Horsfield, but I think yeah. he's too short there. He just he doesn't seem to convert enough for me. Um, again, fantastic talent, but he just it's too short. It, what can you get 33s yeah that's that's top five as well you've, you've got to go down to 28s for a, a top seven that's too short thomas peters he's been playing well of late starting to show a little bit of comeback maybe i'd look at him but again still too short i think i think i'd be much more interested in um, in, in players a little bit further down the, down that list to be quite honest yeah, I mean, look, my first selection was Antoine Rosner, um, and he's pretty much in the same bracket as Sam Horsfield, 33s or 28s, if you want to go to the seven places. Um, it's won two of his last eight starts on the European Tour, um, played very, very well at the Memorial Tournament. And and you talked about Sam Horsfield there, Will, and you know, this was a guy that everyone kind of had an eye on going over to America, um, was expecting him to sort of kick on, and, and it was actually Rosner that kind of shined in that last start. Um, and, and you know you say about we talk about Keimer there he's a player that you know I was very fond of back in the day and is, and is world class performances but Rosner's certainly out of this bunch of players here aside from Peaceburger is, is kind of the form player on the European Tour yeah I think you're right I think you're right I, I wouldn't put you off backing him it's, it's just not for me at that sort of price really to be quite honest but against you know, against Kaima, yeah, you'd certainly take him in a matchup over Kaima at the moment, I think. Um, but I just can't get over the price to be quite honest. It's no. not big enough for me at the moment. No, and I get that. I take both yours and Jason's points on on the type of week it is and taking a short price. It's just the last time I kind of looked at Rosner as a short price. I think you know he sort of you know cleaned up and and he and he looks a, de- a decent enough price. Again, you know if. You, we're talking about the two favourites there, and, and they are short, and that's why he's gone out to the price. But I mean, I don't know what price you'd make him if, if Sergio was a favourite. He'd, he'd probably be sort of half the price. So for me, if, the, if there is any sort of doubts over the two, then then I'm quite happy to take him at 28 to one. So that was my thoughts there. Um, just a word on uh, Lucas Herbert, who's there at 40 to one. We believe he's qualified for the PGA event this week in a Monday qualifier. Um, so he will probably be out of the best in Jason, which means that we should. 
uh, hurry up and get these selections on before he takes out a bit of the market. Yeah, but it's always interesting to see what happens, isn't it? Um, normally they just shorten the front lot again, don't they? I mean, if you look at that, Louis nine to two with one firm. Hmm. I mean, that's got to be an error. Got to be. Um, it's just madness, isn't it? Eight to one, Sergio. I, I don't know what you'd better do, but anyway, it's up to them. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They might do. I mean, I, I like like Will. I've gone a bit further down from my first selection. Um, so yeah, you can carry on as much as you want to. You get sixty to one, mate. Well, you give yeah. you give us those first couple of selections because I'm not going to go for every single one if, if you're not got interest in talking about them because we uh, we do tend to do that and then we both exhausted and then and then wonder why. So give us right. your, give us your first couple. Okay, well, looking at this, I, I, uh, obviously, as we were busy over the weekend, um, I, for some reason, I found a link to Scotland. I mean, it makes it makes a little bit of sense, obviously, linksy and stuff like that. But um, uh, Pavon, who uh, won in 2019, was fourth in the Scottish Open and 14th at Uh Ramiro, obviously, won a few years ago, was second at Loch Lomond, third at Carnoustie. Um, Matt Wallace uh, played well at Scotland last year uh, behind Otegi. Um uh, Fraser tied fifth at Loch Lomond. He was second way back to Danny Willett in 2012. Danny Willett's a lot older than I thought he was. Um, and you know, you, I, I just thought there were links between between all of these uh, courses. Uh, the one that really um, was key was when uh, Fabrizio Zanotti won in 2014. Um, you got Henrik Stenson um, just behind. Obviously, Stenson was uh, you know a fantastic links player. Um, but Rafa Carrera Bayo and um, Gregory Havray. Uh, uh, both won the Scottish Open. Uh, doesn't seem to matter where. It seems to tie in a, a quite a number of years. Um, and then after that, I went from there. So, um, Havre's won the Scottish Open. He's also won Glen Eagles twice. Um, and obviously, he fits into here quite nicely. Um, and if we go to... Um, are you listening, Sky? Um, if we go down to another player that's won the Scottish Open, has won uh, at Glen Eagles and has won at Crans, and Crans fits in again. With the likes of uh, Ramiro and Zanotti um, and Fitzpatrick, obviously, was second last year. Um, we end up with the mighty uh, Dodo, uh, Eduardo Molinari. Um, we've been watching him now for you know, three or four weeks now, haven't we? Yeah. His iron play now is just absolutely stunning. Um, on the back of that, I think we all backed him in Denmark where he, you know, he didn't do the job. Fair enough. Um, came back, uh, European Open. Um, I think we again. I think we were all on, weren't we? Um, and once again, he's putting let him down completely. He was just outstanding, Tita Green. Um, his iron play. I'm not saying it's more Kawa like, but it's certainly you know that sort of quality in comparison with his field. Um, and he's played really fantastically over the weekend when given very little chance in the U.S. Open. Um, should probably have been too long for him. Um, but again, his Tita game, Tita Green game has stood up really, really well. Um, yeah, I think he's ready to strike at some point. Um, I, I think I put him, yeah, I think I put him up uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, third here in 2019, um, one of his only bits of form over the last couple of years, finishing with a 67. Uh, 60 to 1, uh, not sure what he is on the 8 play. I've got odds checker in front of me. I know Labrooks aren't on there. Uh, but 60 to 1 in a couple of places. Hills, 60, first 6. Um, I don't know if anybody else has got a better offer. But I'm very happy to, to take him on, to be honest with you. I think he's ready to win and just hope that um, he has a sort of Morikawa at Harding Park patting regime. Yeah, I mean, that, that, and that is the thing, isn't it? Is that you do have to rely on that, I suppose. It's just 
the you know the consistency is there and, it, and it's a player that you're kind of expecting to to turn this corner and, and, it, and he showed it and you know the, the price is decent enough isn't it in this field I hope so ask Will he's got an opinion <laughs> <laughs> my only concern with him is how much he's been cut over the last few weeks I mean what were we getting on him if you look back three well, no, probably a bit longer than that about a month ago six weeks ago what was he three three hundred one something yeah. some, something silly wasn't it I just um, I I totally agree with Jace his iron play is just outstanding at the moment but it's just that flat stick he can't seem to get working again and till then you know I don't think I can find myself backing I wouldn't put you off Jace but I, no. I just I just can't find myself backing you know, until you know. that one starts working. We, we all have that point, don't we? It's a perennial argument is that you can back them at 301 where they're doing absolutely nothing. And when they do do something like get a top 15 or top 12 or finish a, a you know, hit a 63 on Sunday to finish eighth, you know, that 301 is, is pretty much a pipe dream if they continue that going. So, yeah, I agree. There is always a point. Um, but I just, I, I just thought, again, um, as we all believe that the front two are too short. If they're taking out 24, 25% of the book, um, there's very much potential that, that they don't finish in the places. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just went with the iron player of, of the last couple of months. But yeah, you know, if he doesn't turn up with a flat stick, who knows? But then you've got Ryan Fox, is the same, isn't he? He can't yeah. play, he's 40s. Yeah, no, you know, totally. Yeah, point taken. You know I mean, it's, it's, we, yeah. they've all got something they've got to work Matthias on. Matthias Schwab. Haven't they? Yeah, he can't putt. He's 25 every week. Hmm. 16 sometimes. Uh, he also hasn't got his caddy with him this week. There you go. It's even worse. Interesting tip. <laughs> 25 to 1. There's, there's plenty of concerns, isn't there? It's, <laughs> the, the thing is, and that's the thing there, Jason, we, we've spoken about an awful lot, haven't we, that I think there's almost this kind of pride thing with with punters and, and tips or whatever, that because he was 300 to 1 a month ago, that you almost feel that you shouldn't back him at 61. And it, and like you say, but if he's, he's been churning out performances after performances, his iron play has been absolutely superb. This is a course where limiting your mistakes is, is massive, um, which means that you need people that dialed in. Um, you know, yes, there is the putting concern, um, but he's kind of priced. I still think even at 60 to 1 and, and 50s and whatever, it's priced like he's never he's not going to win again. Because if it's someone that's hitting the ball, especially like this, you know, we've looked at Sean Crocker over the last God knows how long, expecting him to be able to putt. Doesn't happen. This is just a guy that's a little bit more battle, you know, battle hardened, a bit older, and, and people just think that, you know, his best is behind him, and, and I'm sure it probably is, but it doesn't mean he can't nick a tournament like this. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really have any complaints about that one. Um, one player we've all just been talking about before we came on um, in terms of why is he this price? Uh, John Catlin, uh, 60 to 1 for seven places, 66 to 1 for, for six places. I'll come on to you first, Will. Um, you know, he's, he's impressive, impressive strike rate since he's come back on the European tour. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just a bit too much stock in his recent miscuts in, over in America. I think that's exactly it, isn't it? He's, he's missed two cuts out in the States and he's just suddenly drifted all the way out to, well, like say 66, I think he was 70 somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, this is a guy who's got three European tour wins already over the course of two years. For me, you know, they're not just on similar tracks either. He's played across a wide variety of tracks. He's won at, you know, Valderrama. He's, he's won over in Austria. He, you know, he just looks 
the real deal to me. And when I saw his price go up, I was totally shocked, to be quite honest. And I think, like you mentioned earlier as well, Tom, if you've got a couple of people dropping out with betting still, uh, it's worth getting on him now, I think, because that price is only going uh, to shrink. And I can see quite a few other people jumping on board as well. Yeah, and, and I think, Jason, we, we, when we associate with John Catman, we always think tough test and... And when, it's, when the scoring starts to get a little bit low, he, he kind of goes out the running. And that has been generally the case in times, but he has won it, you know, low-scoring events as well and played very, very well. So it's he's not just a one-trick pony. Yes, I think that the, the tough of the event, he probably does thrive because I think he's just someone that doesn't, you know, give too much away. Um, but this is a course where bogey avoidance is, you know, pretty much, you know, I suppose that's important every week because, you know, people make less bogeys are going to go on. But... You know, somewhere where it is limited mistakes is important. John Catlin should come top of the list. Yeah, he's an unbelievable short game, isn't he? Absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know what he did in that playoff in Austria. Um, it's just, just, just absolutely fantastic. And yeah, yeah. Again, comparison. Again, you look, at, you look who's ahead of him in the list. Hmm. Um, you know, okay. I mean, you know, Eddie Pepperell's great on Twitter. He's an absolutely fantastic bloke, but he hasn't won three times like um, Catlin has you know you've got your mate Bjork people like that Ryan Fox you know it, it's just it's wrong the price is wrong that's where he should be in the market he should be around 33 I think um, somewhere around that if you look at the players that are surrounding him at the moment um, you can, how can you argue it's impossible to argue that price isn't it what about uh, a guy that came second recently, a Spanish guy, in, in Adrian Otwegi? I know you, you're someone that's quite a fan of him, Jason. Someone you might look to this week. Well, yeah, I I do, and again, I, I'm really I, I really am labouring the Scottish thing, um, and and the only reason I'm doing it is because I've stuck to this, as you know, Tom. Yeah. Over the last sort of month or six weeks, I've stuck to something that I've seen, and it seems to work, and it it has provided a profit. So, you know, I'm going to keep keep doing it. Um, obviously won the Scottish Open again, tied 25th in the other Scottish event. Um, and obviously last time, um, no, Ben Coley won't mind him, um, three putting in the final green. Uh, but he was a shot away from the playoff, uh, and, or if you like, a 15-footer away from uh, winning the tournament. Um, he has been playing. He's somebody you've put up quite a lot, actually, yeah. I think this year. Yeah. Um, a take. He, he he has got. I mean, he, he has very very talented. He's got a fantastic eye in game. Um, I I just thought there was a sign last time. Um, there there has been a few. So like that 64 finish in Denmark, where he's actually been playing better than his figures. I mean, he's not sta- You know, he's not standing off the tee, but it, his game is is reasonably solid. He's got a decent enough short game. Uh, and I just thought that that second that can either kill you or or make you want to do stuff. Um, and improve a little bit. Um, it's quite nice. It was in Scandinavia. I know it was a bit of a, a strange tournament, however, however good it was. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Scandies do well over here as well. So there are links between, as I say, between Scotland. Um, obviously, when he won Scotland, he, he beat um, Matt Wallace. I know Wallace should have probably won that. Um, and obviously, Wallace has, has done well over here. Um, I, I just thought there was enough there for me to be very interested in him in, in some way. Um, again. 55, 60, something around that mark. Yeah, I, I'm quite happy to put him in. Uh, you know, we are basing all this on the fact that the front two don't take up two of the top six places, but yeah. I'm, I'm, happy, I'm very happy to say that, Rich. I think you have to. I think, you know, if 
unless you're you know all in like someone wasn't John Rahm last week unless you're so convinced by those two because I just don't need to back either one of those as single figures they're going to both go out to whatever 16s 18s 20s in the next PGA Tour event anyway so you know you, it's not like you can't back them for a win in, in you know in the near future uh, like you say Adrian Otwegi is someone that I thought was generally perennially overpriced you know quite often the same with uh, Jorge Campillo similar sort of build really in terms of the fact that you know, both Spanish both kind of overpriced quite often you mentioned that the Scottish Championship victory with four strokes from Matt Wallace who didn't get the job done won that Paul Laurie match play as well so he's got the you know two sort of Scottish things there and I just look at his his world golf rankings page you know the win in at the Scottish Championship is at the top there in 2020 he won in 2017-2018 before that and then 2021 2020 at two two seconds and it's just everything from sort of like 2018-2019 onwards has been where all his best starts have come from so it suggests that although you know he's been around for a little while he's certainly not new that it's kind of he's reaching a new level in his golf game and maybe because he's not the most consistent he kind of you know is is someone that gets pushed out on price but you know he's clearly got enough talent there especially in a field when you know, he probably doesn't change. He doesn't go much shorter, even if the two aren't in in the top of the betting. So I think he's someone that you know can be uh, can be kept an eye on each week. Um, Steven Jaeger, will we both we both discussed him before we come on? Um, Corn Ferry Tour uh, player. He's you know he should really have secured his PJ Tour card for uh, next year with Battlefield promotion. Um, he's already had the two wins this season. He's then had two second place finishes recently. One of them in a playoff. Uh, but since the restart last year, he's had two wins, three seconds, a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh. Um, you know, this is a guy that he kind of seems to, you know, prosper on that Corn Ferry Tour and hasn't quite made the step up um, on the PJ Tour when he's got there in the past. But, you know, he's only 32 years of age. He was born in Munich, Germany, so that's that's why he's here this week. Um, you know, he... he there is the kind of trap that he falls in that possibly he's just very, very good for the Corn Ferry. He's six Corn Ferry Tour wins now. I think that's one behind um, the, the, the record there. I think Jason Gore had seven. So he really is. He knows how to get the job done. He knows how to get over the line. It's just whether he can transform that to the European Tour. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, that Corn Ferry Tour has become even more competitive over the mm. last few years. There's some really great players coming off that tour. So for him to be, you know, Two wins, two seconds, a host of other top tens or top twenties. It's, I think that speaks volumes for him. You know whether he can come over to Europe and and, and do it is another question. But I think you know 60, 66s for for seven eight places. I think it's a great person. He he's known as a fast starter as well. You know he likes to get out the blocks quite quickly. But it's probably worth having a look at the first round leader market as well with him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's certainly someone to watch. Now I've said that, he'll probably bomb, but... But the thing with him, Will, that, that I quite like is that although he's always been someone that's he's got a lot of wins you know, on the Corn Ferry Tour and, and it's not new that he's kind of got this winning form... He's not been someone that's ever been as consistent as he has been over the last couple of seasons. You know, you look at the years gone past. I mean, his first win came in 2016. He had seven missed cuts that year. Ten the next year. Sixteen year after that. Twelve the year after that. You know, then he's suddenly he's only had three missed cuts in, in 2021 in 13 events. He's only had five in, in 2020 as well. So, although that, that sounds like quite a lot, he's, he's outweighing them of his top tens and top five finishes and, and those victories. 
Um, it just seems to me he might have found a new level of consistency. He's only 31 years of age, so it could be that he's kind of turning into a bit of a peak. And if he, like you say, that the gap is closing between Euro, uh, you know, the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour, we're seeing guys come off and ready to compete in, in major championships. Uh, maybe he's just, because of the players around him, the environment around him has got so much better, he's stepping up his game. And we certainly think that can translate. We've seen David Lipsky come off some really good form earlier in the season on the Corn Ferry and come over and play well in the desert. So certainly hoping that Jaeger can do the same. Yeah, no, totally agree. And and vice versa. We've we've seen players come off of the European tour and go into the Corn Ferry and, and yeah. can't quite cut it. So, you know, it shows the strength of that tour and, and hopefully he can come over and, and you know, back to his native homeland and um, and get the job done. Yeah, absolutely indeed. Um I'm I'm into triple digits for my next few selections, Jay. So uh, anything for you before we get there? Yeah, just point out um just before, I should have said, J.B. Hansen, who's one place the same price as Dodo. Again, um, absolutely loads of um, Scottish form uh, there with him. Um, third in the Scottish Open 2013. He was, uh, I think, tied third was uh, Stenson, who's obviously got fantastic form here. Um, again, Swedish form links in. He played really, really well last time. Um, I, I, I don't know whether I'm a fan of him or not. He used to drive me absolutely crackers on the Challenge Tour. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't know if I mentioned the Chinese tour. I did, and then and then a year after I gave up, Hanson won like seventy two <laughs> tournament. Uh, it was incredible. But when he's right, you know, I think he, he's fantastic. He's also um, obviously won over in South Africa. Um, uh, fantastic event uh, where he beat Wilco. Um, and there's there's bits as well. I mean, um, there's, there's another South African I'll mention in a minute. But um, Bez obviously was third over here last time. This was played by Pavan and Fitz. Um, I, I really, I just like the way he's he's going. I mean, he, he is another one that's a bit in and out, but he has found a, a, a level of consistency. Um, he can find an awful lot of um, fairways, which will help here. Um, look, yeah, he is he is hard to predict, but I think he is trending in the right direction for another win in this sort of class. I don't think he particularly fears anybody. Um, yeah, he was he was just another one that that in Scandinavia again. Um, I just thought he caught the eye, to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm happy to put him in at around 55-60. And to be honest, the only other one that I'm going for this week is Brandon Stone, who I was surprised was put up at 80. I, I appreciate his um, his inconsistency. Um, but he won the Alfred Dunhill um, over in South Africa, which uh, obviously Christian Bez won. Bez has gone on to be uh, world-class. But if you, you look back in Stone's um, overall form, you know, he's been there in, in absolute top class. Mm-hmm. He was top 12 in 2008 in PGA, you know, which was a Tiger Woods tournament, uh, just a shot behind Rafa. Obviously, he's got form in Scotland and over here. Uh, um, tied 19th was Matt Wallace, who's got form over here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think Stone's got stones when he's in contention. <laughs> uh, he, he matches up with a lot of um, the form that I particularly looked at as I say, the Scottish, but it does link in again with with Christian Bez, uh, which I'm really, really happy with. You've got some people like Darren Fishart was a runner-up with Stenson in 2016 over here. The South Africans do well. They're on an absolute... Um, they're just flying, aren't they, at the moment? I mean, it would have been that that got Louis over the line, I would have thought, last night. You know, Everything they do, everything they send out, even the people that we thought were gone, uh, Brandon Grace's, Charles Schwartz was showing a bit of form now. Yeah. And then obviously you've got people like Higo, um, and, and they've got generations to come, to be honest with you. You know, Jaden Shaper hasn't, hasn't 
reached there yet, but he's going to. If you look at their Big Easy tour, they've got some kids coming through that are just going to, just going to, you know, blow world golf apart. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really happy. I have stuck big time with the Scottish Link, uh, but Stone does does have that um, additional facet. Uh, but they're my four bets. Uh, I've not gone under them, under the 50 to one, 60 to one, and I've not gone over into the triple figure. So I'll leave you two to to get the fancy schmancy prices. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to sort of breeze through these because they're they're, they're kind of price-based and not much else. Ross Fisher plays incredibly well in Germany. Uh, he was run up here in 2010 to David Horsey. He's been very consistent, other than he's got bookend missed cuts, uh, you know, start and, and latest one as well. But he's got a 26th, a 12th, a 2nd, 9th, 18th and 11th. Um, I, I said to you, Jason, not so long ago that he was improving with his irons. Um, and it's something that I was sort of trying to keep an eye on more often. You know, you go on tour tips now and, and go by the you know the most recent weeks, tenth and fifth in two of his last three starts, twenty first before that. Um, so he certainly seems to have found something. And when Ross Fisher finds something, I think he's worth paying attention to. He was tied eighth two starts ago in uh, in Denmark in Maiden Himland. Disappointed at the Porsche European Open, which we know he plays very well at normally. Um, but yeah, I just think he's he's got a great chance here. This is somewhere that he does play well. Um, Ewan Ferguson, 200 to one. He's playing incredibly well on the Challenge Tour. Um, three top four finishes in his last seven starts, and 11th and a 36th as well. Um, as as Will just sort of mentioned there, that the gap between the Corn Ferry and the PGA is becoming ever so slighter. Um, and I think it's the same with the Challenge Tour and European Tour. We just spoke about Anton Rosner and the splash that he's made uh, recently. We've sort of seen Callum Hill step up to the plate in recent years. Um, and, and guys are just they're just coming more ready I think and the tougher the, the lower competition is the the harder it gets so um, I really like him at 200 to 1 and then um, Jack Kreuzvix 150 to 1 caught the eye uh, Jason knows a player that you like he's second and ninth in his last two starts that have been recorded um, so he's, he's kind of sort of Africa tour there strokes going approach um, and then before his missed cut last time out, he was tied 19th, tied 39th, 14th, 17th, 7th, 5th, 5th, 6th, 11th, 25th. I just thought it was really good form for someone, um, you know, of his price. I just, I kind of feel like he's been overlooked, kind of been sort of talked out that he can even sort of contend, really. Um, not too worried about that kind of missed cut on the challenge draw. I think, you know, maybe the, the motivation potentially wasn't there. I know that's not great. Um, but I just kind of think that, you know, it's not anything too alarming. And Reese Enoch's been playing really well of late. You know, he's someone that we, we spoke about earlier on in the season. Um, and I think he's, he's a big price at 250 to 1. If that, you know, as there was four rounds there at the Porsche European Open, um, I think he could have climbed up the leaderboard even further. So 250 to 1 about him, seven places, is something to keep an eye on. Anything more for you, Will, before we move on to Travellers? No, not really, to be quite honest. I, I'm trying to keep my powder dry for the travellers, to be quite honest. Yeah. I might try and have a little look down that list. Now, you mentioned a few of those uh, those bigger price players, but no one really jumps out to me, to be quite honest. Yeah, but I, I don't think it, like you said, I don't think it's an event to get too, as he says, putting up all those selections, but I don't think it's an event to get too heavily invested in. Um, that could be very much a hangover and trying to find a big price winners, trying to boost the things. Um, Hayden Porteous is someone that, we spoke about Jason before we come on that's kind of finding something at late and uh, we know he can get the job done when he's in form. But we'll go over to the Travellers where I think there's uh, certainly you know a stellar field there. Jason Bryson, DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson are joint 12-1 to favourites. Do you agree with that? 
well, you know, what can you do? I mean, you look at the top. This is this, this is quality field. You don't normally get this, do you? Um, no. Over at the Travellers after after the US Open, um, there have been loads of winners here that have missed the cut at the US Open, but you, you know, uh, the week before. But you look at this field; it's it's pretty impressive. I mean, there's obviously links between things like the Memorial uh, Heritage. Uh, you look at the Leishmans and stuff like that over at Torrey Pines. So, so recent form is potentially going to count for more than anything. It's how much you think is taken out of them of what happened over the weekend, I guess. Um, yeah, well, you know, what else can you do? Bryson's got form here. Uh, he is, you know, the media darling, in inverted commas. Um, you, you know, you love him or hate him, whatever your opinion is. But what he, you know, what he does is, is fantastic. Um, the fairways are wide enough for him to absolutely, you know, destroy them uh, if he wanted to. Uh, it's a second shot call, so it's wedges. And then you've got a pub. Do I think he could do it? Nope. Uh, DJ looks something wrong with him at the moment. Hasn't got that fire um, that you need. Whether you count the US Open or not, even before that, he's looking a bit he's looking a bit off with his game. So, I know, you, again, I think you can probably take those two on, though. Respect. I mean, I, I would personally have Bryson in front of Dusty. Yeah, no, I think I pretty much agree with that assessment, although obviously Dustin's got, uh, I suppose, a better course record. But, you know... Again, the, the people do come here and play very well after majors as well, so I wouldn't want to discount it too much. But I think that, like you say, I mean, Bryson's just, what is it, about 9.44, or he looks like he was going to sort of kill someone, um, if not himself. I think he sort of slipped over from one of the tee boxes. That doesn't help the mood. Um, Dustin Johnson, like you say, I think there's a bit of a, a bit of something missing there. Um, interesting enough, Paul Casey, you know, phenomenal course record. Um, we've spoken about how he's coming on leaps and bounds. He's currently 16 to 1, same price as Brooks Kepka and Patrick Cantley. Um, Will, that certainly seems to be, although I, I think he's got a very good chance, and it's a bit like John Rahm last week. I think that, you know all the credentials are obvious. It just price puts me off uh, when, you, when you're putting up against those two kind of major sort of champion contenders, if you like. Well, yeah, in one respect, when you look at it head on, it does look a little bit short, doesn't it? But you can't deny he, he's. You know, he, he's the form man of River Highlands, isn't he? Mm. Um, you know, out of the last six years, he's placed in the top five, four out of those six years. So you're probably actually getting a little bit of value, really, each way, if you take him at 16, eight places, aren't you? That's the way I'd look at it. He's going to be there or thereabouts, isn't he? You'd like to think. It's just hard to pull the trigger on the 16 to one shot. <laughs> that, that's the only thing, isn't it? Um, what do you think, Jace? You think there's a little bit of value there in the each way terms? But well, here we are. What's value? This is your problem. This is what's value, isn't it? I mean, for me, Casey and Cantley are so so strong here. It's just incredible. Um, I mean, you know, for me, I, you know, qualification-wise, Cantley's not obviously not quite as much as he was at Memorial, but he's really not that far short. Um, and not, neither is Casey. Casey's shortened up a lot in the market, whereas I think you'd expect this from Kepley, who was going off at, what, 25, 28, something like that, um, in regular events. I mean, go to Casey, you know, we saw what he did over the weekend. Obviously, I was on um, anyway. I had top 20 to cover. Um, it was that double bogey just basically knocked it, knocked it out of him. But again, his attitude... It was excellent, I thought. Um, but he was 15th off the tee, 15th, uh, uh, 15th strokes gain approach, 13th around the green, 7th tee to green. I mean, it's really, really difficult to um, 
to knock what he's doing. Um, Streelman and Jordan Smith have both won Valspar, as has Casey. They've both done well here. Um, I think he's top 10 in approaches anyway over the season. His pebble form, which fits in to a lot of the previous results, second and eighth. And he's got the course form here as well. So what price can you make him? You know, I I, I don't know. Um, you couldn't be offering people 25 or anything like that. Um, and offer them eight places, as you say. I, I think they're both... They're both solid, but do you know what? I'd rather be on both of them at 16 to 1 than I would Louis and Hovland at a third of those prices over in Europe. Yeah, um, and I think that's, Certainly. do you know what I mean? I think that's the best we can do. I mean, Cantley, um, his Zozo winners from JT, Ram, Henley, and Baba. That all fits into recent form, obviously, uh, and form around here. He's fourth in 2018 at Riviera, getting Baba. He's got his mad around here. 14th off the tee for the season, 20, top 13 strokes gained approach, 8th around the green, 4th tee to green, 6 in strokes gained overall. Memorial form is mad, Traveller's form is decent. Hit a 60 round here in 2011 when he was about 12 years old. Um, <laughs> do you know, I don't know what else you want. Um, you know, people will have a go at the price, but they're solid, aren't they? You've got Brooks in the middle of them, and, and I think you have to have certain question marks about Brooks, and if you've got certain question marks about him, if we're doubting Dustin as well, and we're not sure how Bryson's going to react, even though he probably doesn't care, but we're not sure how he's going to react, what price can you make Casey and Kentley with those qualifications? I, 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 compl- you know, I completely agree. I think that uh, you know we've gone back and forth chasing on Kentley numerous amounts of times. Yeah. You've obviously been very positive, me being very negative. Yeah. And, uh, so we don't need to have a debate on that again. Um, what I'd say, Tom, sorry, on, what I'd say, Tom, is, is stars lined up for Memorial, um, and whether he would have won or come second or third doesn't matter, yeah? Hmm. His stars lined up and he did the job. Yeah. Stars lined up for Rahm and he did the job. Yeah. Stars lined up for Kentley and Casey. Boom. I think I think the thing is is that we, we and we sort of noticed it at the PGA Championship and maybe put so much stock into it that, that Paul Casey seemed like a changed sort of changed attitude, didn't he? And I think you look at the last few years and that he's got those couple of wins at the Valspar and you start to think that he's maybe a little bit of a different player over there and different bit of a, an animal in that in that respect. So where he's kind of been slated for not winning as much. Um, you know, but like Ben Zebney come on, on the podcast last week, you know, twenty odd professional wins coming up. You know, there's no there's no struggle to get the win. He just uh, maybe doesn't do quite enough. But you talk about each way value there, Will, I would certainly con- you know, consider him someone who put in a double with Bert Wiesberger on the other side if if that was sort of something you would like to do because I can't see either of them being both outside the top 10. I think both of them have got real good chances. You're getting eight places over here at 16 to 1 and, and 7, I think, for, for Wiesberger at 22. So that, that would be something, an angle I'd possibly look at because they both got the, the upside of winning, Jason, and, and both have certainly got the low floor of kind of Certainly could be in around the place market end of the weekend. I think you can have some lovely each way doubles, can't you? Mm. Um, the other side, but yeah, you know what each way doubles does. You'll gag up by 10 one side and come to seven yeah. or so. Yeah, really um, um, look, there's there's so many names here. Scotty Scheffler, when they talk about the travellers, they say par four birdie and better is, is a massive statistic. Well, he's second in that, only behind uh, Sam Burns, and he's played. 20 rounds more than him so um he he's been absolutely superb in that department i still kind of want to see him win um we've got my favorite player there in abraham answer at 33 to one he's certainly uh playing well as is brian Harmon. but again 
the value's kind of not there for me. Kevin Streelman, we, we we spoke about this just before we came on, Jason, didn't we? That that he was what was he sort of two hundred odd, three hundred odd, nearly on Betfair when we were we were putting him up for this when we first started the podcast. And although I respect his chances a lot, we don't really want to dive in at thirty three to one. You can't, can you? It's just ridiculous. I don't care what he's playing. Again, I mean, you look at it, and and is is he really just double the chance of Kenny and Casey to win? Not for me. Um, yeah, it's it's overreaction, isn't it? That one. People say you overreact to to a price. I mean, that that's you know certainly as a win only bet anyway. As the win part of the selection, of Strill wants a terrible price. I think that's the thing. I think there's a there's certainly a lot of as well you mentioned sort of there with with the each way value in, in Casey. I think that's the same thing with Strillman. I think that the bookies are really protected against that because he's not been outside the top twenty six in the last five starts and there's only one miscut cut in the, in that run sort of since uh, the players anyway. So he's been in, in really consistent form. So you can certainly see him challenging, but like Jason said, there's probably not that much win equity there. No, I think you can argue that with quite a few players in that sort of price bracket as well. You've got Harmon, he hasn't won since 2017. You've yeah. got Abraham Anser, who I like you, Tom, I, I like him as well. But he hasn't won on tour, you know. Can I really be backing him at 33-1 to 1 if he hasn't won on tour? Hmm. No, I don't think I can. And it, not with a strong field at the top with Bryson, you know, Casey, Dustin, Brooks, Cantlay, Patrick Reed. I mean, 33 to 1. No, yes, there's each way value, but the win part of it, I can't see him, I can't see him doing it this week, personally. Um, but, you know, for me, if you look a little bit further down, I quite like the look of. Um, Joaquin Neiman, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I just think, you know, he's, he's really improved with his putting from last year. He was, I think he was 63rd here last year, and he was he lost one and a half strokes on the green. He was fifth here in 2019, and that's when his stats were pretty similar to where he's at at the moment. So the only concern would be his recent form, but, you know... In 2019, he came into the tournament with similar finishes, a mid, mid-30s, late-20s. So maybe that's an omen. He's also won this year already, unlike Harmon or, or Ranser. So, you know, I'd be willing to take that little bit extra at 40-1 to 1 for eight places on him, I think. Yeah, I know. I get that. I think he's someone that I've... I don't think I've given up on him, but I think that there was a lot around him last year that he was kind of going to be this... this... He'd been forgotten about uh, because of how good Morikawa, Wolf, etc. were, um, and, and that he was going to come up and, and perform really well. And certainly in the first part of the season, he did. There, there is just a slight worry for me that that the we're kind of waiting for it to turn around, and it just isn't. Um, but like you say, I mean, he, he's certainly the type of person that can bounce back from uh, bad current form. Matthew Wolf is someone that you know. Jason, I spoke to you earlier over the weekend about the fact I'd had a sort of long-range bet on him. Just when I found out that his issues were kind of more mental than physical, uh, I think that it can kind of turn around. And you made a joke at who, who's turned it around, you or him? Um, and I certainly feel like that on a, a fatigued Monday after a U.S. Open. Um, but yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of guys here. And Jason, you're about to come on to one um, in Keegan Bradley that you know. As 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 Will's just said there, you, you you kind of you're looking at Brian Harmon's at thirty to one, you're looking at Abraham Ernst's thirty three to one, so you're looking at Scotty Sheffield twenty five to ones, and you don't 
we don't know really what what, what winning upside they've got. Uh, Sheffield is bound to win, um, but I, I get very nervous about saying that about anyone looking at when Tony Finau could be one of the best players in the world and, and doesn't get over the line. So it, it does concern me to do that. You know in Keegan Bradley that you've got a guy that's won a major championship, won a world golf championship, he's played in the Ryder Cup teams, you know, and he's got two top ten finishes in his last four starts here. Yeah, he's he's flying. Yeah, he was second to Ches Reevy winning um, prize winner a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I, obviously he's playing exceptionally well. Um, to be honest, that's that's really what it is. You, you've covered it. I mean, he's got form in the very very highest class. Uh, possibly could have won Valspar, thank God he didn't. Um, and then came out and has just played fantastically well, both at the PGA and obviously the Wells Fargo. His iron plays incredible. Um, he is extremely accurate off the tee when he's right doesn't really matter here, but it'll certainly set him up on the right angles to attack this. He's long enough. Um, I, I, I can see him absolutely, you know, having buckets of chances. And again, like so, so, so many, this will be down to whether the putt's going, I think. I mean, he's fine in Teeter Green. I mean, just look at his Teeter Green performances. You know, nine at the PGA, five at Wells Fargo, only 13 at Valspar, eight at Honda. Um, yeah, like I say, he's got form here. Um, he's top in, I think, top 12 in both the um, approaches and uh, tee to green stats for the entire year. Um, yeah, he's, he's just another one. It's, it's, which one. Is he any different to somebody like Casey? Potentially, he's, he's, he's very, very close to... The, oh, there we go. Right, that's the police come to get you. Um, you know, he's, he's the same sort of player. He'll give himself loads and loads of chances. And... Uh, We'll see what happens. Um, Jason, after after King Bradley in the market, we've kind of got Sam Burns and Russell Henley. That you know, Sam Burns has got that win, got the monkey off his shoulder there. Um, so he's an interesting price, I think. We just talked about uh, par four birdie and better leaders, and he's leading that. Um, but Russell Henley was the one that I wanted to dive into. He was a guy that we we really expected to go backwards um, on the Sunday, and he did finish in tied thirteenth. Um, the occasion kind of got the best of him but I think he got the best of, of a lot of people so I don't think there's any great hardship in that uh, I certainly think he's a type of person that can bounce back from it after you know he's, he's a, a multiple PJ Tour winner three wins on tour uh, when he was 11th here on debut he, he, he was first after 36 he was second after 54 uh, he then came back and finished sixth uh, two years after that with uh, second place after 54 holes and then he was 32nd here last year when he wasn't in his best form. So, for me, I just thought that Russell Henley was a decent price after what we saw from him last week. Played very well. He's, I'm, I'm not a fan, but like you say, he's another one that's that's. Taken, I, I mean, I, he's one I I really can't trust at the moment. Um, I must be honest with you. But again, place equity, eight places. Um, yeah, he's got 64s and 65s all over the place on this course, isn't he? Hmm. Uh, should have won the Zozo, was it, last year? Was it for Zozo? Was it the Zozo? was the, the silly tournament we met on that artificial, that Lego course. Um, that was a C, that was a CJ Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry, the CJ Cup, yeah. Um, should have won that, I think. Um, hasn't quite hit those heights yet until... Really, I mean, he's all right at the Honda, but I don't think he ever looked like, to be honest, he ever looked like winning it. Um yeah, he, look, he played well last week. It, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have seemed to be um, his sort of course to me. Um, played well. He, he isn't one that I'm going to look at now on this sort of course, to be honest with you, because I just think there's a lot of talent in this field. Um, 
and a lot more uh, a lot more players that can get it done, whereas I don't think Henley can. But you know, respect your view. I'm not going to argue with it. No, I, ju- I just think that maybe it's over because of the people he was he was going toe to toe with yesterday. He's kind of the 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 lesser known entity, if you like. But you know, I think it's because it's been a little while since he has got those wins. He came out really firing on top. Only one is PJ Tour debut. Uh, in fact, that were two more wins as well in impressive uh, fields. The other guy that's uh, that's back here, he's at seventy to one. He's sixty-six to one as well. Um, can go as low as fifties for eight places. Is Ricky Fowler? Um, it's been a while since he was his best, um, but eighth and eleventh from his last two starts at the PGA the Memorial, seventeenth at the Valero Texas Open, twentieth at the Genesis uh, at Riviera as well. So there's been certain signs from him, and I think. He's finally, I don't say he's turned the corner yet, because I think for Ricky Fowler's turn the corner, we need to really see him in contention again. Um, but yeah, I just think he, I think he's on his way back. And if Ricky Fowler's on his way back, then he's going to be, you know, as soon as he does contend, he's going to be half the price of this. And he's had two 13th place finishes at this golf course. Um, neither, you know, it wasn't in contention either times. He's finished with with really low rounds on on the Sunday, 66 and 64. Which maybe is a slight off put, but I thought there was some uh, decent value there. Will, what were your thoughts on Ricky Fowler this week? Oh, I still can't bring myself to back him at the moment, Tom. To be quite honest, I, I just want to see a little bit more from him. Really, that being said, you know, like like you said, his last two performances, he, he seems to have sorted out his flat stick a bit, doesn't he? He's actually gaining strokes on the green, and his approach plays looks a lot better. But I, I guess he's this price. Because he's showing that that bit of form. I mean, what was he before? I reckon he was probably 125, 150s he yeah. got up to, didn't he? Uh, when he was in that real slump. So, of half the price, that's probably a fair reflection in my view. Um, I wouldn't put you off him, but he wouldn't be one for me. I think there are other players around that sort of area that um, that could probably get the job done at the moment, as opposed to him who, who's still working his way back yeah i think i think i think you're probably right and i think i think jason you'll probably have a, a similar view i think that the early sort of 70s with decent places gone so the 50s is kind of a bit off-putting for me because he is a guy that we still got something to show jace um but it's just one of those ones where i think it almost feels like he's he's the type that can just go out and win again um and and it'll kind of catch people out and and you'll kind of be gutted that you missed seventy to one. I don't know if that is sort of the case of him, rather than actually thinking it's a better course fit for him than it is. Got golf's full of stories, isn't it? You had John mm-hmm. Rahm, obviously, what happened at Memorial, and Ricky Fowler, who missed qualifying for the US Open by a shot. Um, first time in what is it, ten years? Was it? Yeah. Um, full of stories. You're absolutely right. He is definitely showing signs of coming back, um, and at some point over the next few weeks, his price is going to be too big. Um, it's a matter of when. Um, I think this is a it's, it's a very strong field, but he is going to be fresh coming into it, as opposed to a lot of these which are coming off that weekend. Do you know what? I, I can't argue. I, I think you will see a really good performance from him. The problem is you could see a really good performance from him, and then he'll be 33 next week yeah. um, without, get, without getting paid this. So it's one of them, but I, I, I'm not arguing with you. I think if you can get 66 or 7, I don't know who this post marathon betting it or somebody, but if you can get the 66 or something like that, or 60 with Paddy Powers, um, I don't think that's bad, to be honest with you, first eight places. Uh, no, I think, and, uh, yeah, I see him doing well, yeah. 
I, th I think there is some there. It's, I'm a little bit nervous about the course fit just because those thir those two 13th place finishes caught my eye. And then you go, you do the firm investigation as we do on tour six chase and see sort of the round by round. And it is two final rounds that are shot him up the leader one. That, that concerns me slightly. Will, was there any others that were, before we get sort of into triple digits that caught your eye? Well, you mentioned um, Sam Burns, and I, I think I'll make him my bit of the week, to be quite honest. You, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned the par four birdie or better uh, stat, but I've also gone a little bit further and looked at just his ball striking. He's just solid across the ball. You know, he's 23rd on tour this year for ball striking. He's he's 22nd on tour for putting. They're both elements that will bode him well this week. You know, if he's got a weakness to his game, it's probably around the greens, but that shouldn't really come into too much play this week. Um, he's got progressive form here at River Highlands as well. He was 43rd in 2019 and 24th last year. And he's now, most importantly, a winner on tour, isn't he? You know, yeah. he almost went almost went back to back, if it weren't for <laughs> KH Lee. But, um, yeah, I just think he's got the game that should fit this course really well and I was quite surprised to see him at, at 60 to 1 um, especially for eight places so oh, I snapped that up personally and um, yeah he'd be my main bet other than that you look a little bit further down just before you get into triple digits uh, you've got Grillo you know yeah he's another one who ticks the boxes stat wise leads par four scoring average great ball striker you know the only worry with him is he can't, he doesn't necessarily turn up with his putter does he you know he can show flashes of uh, being able to do it and then he'll turn up and he'll just lose god knows how many shots on the greens but 90 to 1 eight, again eight places i think that's actually been cut now it's about 80 to 1 but eight places i think you you could have worse bets um but they'd be mine just before we get into triple digits yeah, I think the only thing for me with Grillo is that we've had kind of enough showings from him to sort of. He's a guy that tends to show up at the same courses every year and play well, and he's though he's he's kind of solid here, but unspectacular, and and he's I've put him up a couple of times this year and on courses that he's he's well known for playing well at, and he hasn't done it, so maybe I'm just kind of biased on that respect. My only worry with Sam Burns is whether the bubbles burst a little bit with him he's, he's had that win in the second and, and rode that hot form into the Byron Nelson had to withdraw from the PGA uh, I believe due to an injury he was 50th at the Memorial with a bad weekend and missed a cut last week I know you know the withdrawal is, is slightly different but those last two events it, it just concerns me but they were, they were tough events and he may well sort of benefit from coming to this um, Jason, before we came on, we spoke about Mackenzie Hughes, um, and I was kind of surprised actually about. I, I kind of expected him to be shortened up a lot more than he was, and, and I know he fell away yesterday, and um, you know, again, a bit like with Russell Henley, you kind of expected him to, but I thought he performed, you know, really admirably, really for, for quite a long time. I mean, he was a thousand to one before. You know, I put that thousand to one question out there last week, and, and he was a popular selection. Seventeenth um, here on debut. Uh, final round 66 and then opening round 67 as well so he was uh, nine, uh, 23rd after round one um, and then he was 51st three starts ago but he opened with a 64 to lead after round one and then he was third last time out here um, and never was outside the top four he, he, he led with an opening round 60 uh, first second full third so to me I just, I just was surprised 
Jason, that he hadn't actually shortened up in the market, you know, less 110 to 1 with eight places after that performance last week. Um, I guess it's one of those ones that you're trying to kind of trap people in after a good performance, but I think there's still some value to be had. I think I think you're probably right. I mean, the, the only problem with him is um, you don't want him to um, have the ball closer than 60 foot, do you? On the green. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's, honestly, we were saying that. I mean, I remember sort of backing him at a short price at Carrara's last year. Um, and he got beat by Hudson Swafford and uh, I think he should have won that I thought he, he had a look in front shall we say um, he'd done the same thing we were talking about him being the best long putter on the tour and amazingly he comes out the next time he does it is at the US Open and and he's just amazing the problem is he misses an awful lot of five foot putts <laughs> um, yeah do you know what he's playing really really well through three rounds of the US Open you know, Henley and Hughes were absolutely dominant in their approaches in tee to green. Um, over this season, obviously, Henley's got, you know, a better record. Um, but they are, whatever you say, 60, 70 points apart. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, the t- this is not going to end with the top eight full of um, the top eight in the market. People are going to have a reaction to, to what happened last weekend. Yeah, there's a few, actually, I think, at triple figures you could take a chance with. Um just above him in the market is old Guido. Uh, He'll be a popular pick this week. He was unbelievable last week. Well, there's the difference. Guido's going to be coming off of that off of that event. Just where well, you saw what it was like on the final green. Yeah. Whereas Mackenzie Hughes isn't going to be coming off game like I did really well. I mean, he will do eventually, but there has to be some disappointment somewhere. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I agree. Three figures. Why not? There's there's plenty of them there. I think he's a guy that compartmentalises it quite well. I think I saw an interview with him after, and he was just, you know, really proud of his performance and, and knows there's there's more important things in life, which is always helpful when you're uh, trying to back them. Brendan Steele was a guy before he missed the cut last week, and you know, much to my dismay on my uh, fantasy teams, uh, he he was you know flying. He hadn't missed a cut since the Mayakoba back in October last year. Um, you know, top four and top three finishes in that time of Hawaii and uh, the Honda. And, you know, he's won twice on Parana at the Sofi Open. He has finished tie sit for the players and a repeat die. You know, he's got two top six finishes here in the fifth in 2014 in the sixth last year when he shot 62 in the second round. Um, Brendan still just strikes decent value to me, Will. Yeah, again, I wouldn't put you off him. I think he's a um, highly consistent player. He's, uh, you know, he he's probably... A, to me, at the right sort of price point, uh, he's, I can't see him winning. Can I see him popping up in the, in the top ten? Yes, I can. Um, if I'm looking for value around that sort of area, I think I'm probably going to look at a similar price point at Pat and Kazaya. Um, yeah. I think I'd rather take him uh, just on the back of his form here. He was sixth last year. Um, he had, you know back-to-back third places in May before two missed cuts. And he's, he's back out to 125 again. I think he got down to probably about 50, 60 to 1 before those missed cuts. So he's back out to a sensible sort of level for me. He's putting really well at the moment. He's 11th on tour. He's not the world's worst ball striker. He's also 11th in par 4 scoring as well. So for me, I think I'd take Kazire over Steele personally. Um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't put you off Steele at all. 
Yeah, I mean, Pat Gazai is there on the, uh, the the powerful birdie of better. He's in 12th place, uh, moving up from 18th last week. So, yeah, I think I think he's uh, certainly someone that I think is very unrated, underrated quite often. You, you seem to see the weeks where um, he does he does come out and get these victories. And I, I thought it was a certain type of course he does. One was a sign of sort of coastal, shorter tracks maybe. But, you know, he, he, he does seem to pop up. And every time he does pop up, it seems to be the whole of Twitter was on Jason on Pat and Kazai. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> um, the the other person in this is great. You've always liked to uh, to throw me under the bus there and just give me nothing. Um, Ches Reevy was someone that I kind of thought was was interesting because he's been in the doldrums really. Um, he, he really has. He's been he's been playing pretty poorly, but you know he won the Travellers off the back of uh, a decent performance at Pebble Beach. Um, so he's, he's a winner of this course. He's had an 11th place as well. Um, even after the, the 46th last year, he, he played some decent stuff. Yeah, second round 66. Uh, he was 43rd a couple of years ago, and he was in the top 10 through 54 holes. So 25th and 11th as well at the course. Just just strikes me as someone that maybe is worth a bit of each way value. But you know, I don't, again, a bit like the European Tour, there's a guys that are bigger. You know, price, especially Mackenzie Hughes, really for me, kind of stood out as value. Um, but it's it's tough to not get caught up and and try and back too many people in a in a week where there's so many unknowns, Jason. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I think I think it's worth taking a couple of longer prices. Um, but I, I think you also have to have at least one of the, you know, top six, top eight to run with you as well. It, it, it's going to be interesting, as I say, it's going to be really interesting the way they react. Um, you know, I've got two at treble figures. Um, I haven't looked on Betfed to see what they, you know, what they are. Um, so I'll go into them anyway. Yeah, you give us those, and I'll check on Betfed what price. Yeah, yeah. So um, first one that caught my eye over the weekend, although he didn't, you know, he didn't finish particularly well, was Lanto Griffin. Um, I think we've been following Griffin for quite a while. I know you've liked him um, yeah. a couple of times, and obviously, as we found out with Will, he was uh, Will Wilcox's caddy for a couple of years. Um, through the three rounds. Um, over the weekend, he was top 10 in approaches and tee to green. And I know we didn't see a lot of his coverage, but what we did see was actually, you know, really decent to see. Where he fell away was just the start of his back nine on Sunday. Otherwise, I think he definitely would have finished top 20 at the, uh, the um, Open. Um, there's bits and pieces of his form. I know that he is quite inconsistent. Um, but that 69-69 on uh, Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday really caught the eye. It was in the top 10 of of aggregate scores for over those two rounds. So even if you take away the draw advantage, he's got that 69 on the uh, on moving day. Uh, CJ Cup, he was top 10 alongside Baba, who's obviously got great form here. He's got Torrey form, which ties in with Leishman and many others. He's got Pebble form. Uh, when he was top 10 in Pebble, Streelman was second, Jason Day was fourth, Berger and Spieth uh, fifth and ninth. So that ties in with this course and, and courses like it. it look, he is... He's better than average. He's top 40 strokes gained approach, 33rd strokes gained pattern this year. And I, I just thought he was an eye-catcher last week. Um, it's nothing more than that, to be honest with you. He's got progressive form here, played it twice, 38 when he was he was nothing really, but still hit a 63 on the second round. And he was 24th the last time he played it last year. Um, didn't hit over 68 on the whole week. I think there's something there with Lanto Griffin. Um, I'm not saying that you know it's up in lights at the moment. I'm pretty sure at some point it will be. As we've discussed, it's it's when you take the prices um, 
and worry about them sort of losing the 30 or 40 points next week. But I'm going to take a chance with him at at the price, somewhere in triple figures or top 10, you know, top 20, top 100, whatever. Um, I will be with him at some point. And the only other one, and this is purely because the course comes down from 7,500 to 6,800 yards, which is actually, I think, the same distance as the KP, uh, KPMG over at uh, the LPGA this week, um, you know, where they're playing for Benjamins, um, as we keep discussing on Twitter. Absolutely appalling advert. But anyway, um, Doug Gim. Um, I'm waiting for Doug Gim to do something. I don't know when it's going to be. He might be 501 by the time he does it. Uh, but there is such quality history in his form lines. Um, when he drops down to, to a course where he won't... I mean, obviously, Bombers can can take advantage here. But where it won't matter that he ranks 60th um, off the tee with, with his real quality um, iron play. I mean, he's top 20 in... Um, I think he's top 20 in approaches, definitely, for the season. Um, just going back, really. I mean, he, obviously, he was number one world amateur in 2018. Uh, Patrick Cantley is obviously amateur, world amateur um, uh, number one for weeks and weeks and weeks played the Walker Cup the Walker Cup he played it was stunning um, uh, Morikawa Scottish Sheffler Wills Altouris Maverick McNeely and the um, and the forgotten Norman Jong is it who um, I know everybody thought or a lot of people thought was going to be the best out of that lot he was unbeaten through the Walker Cup he's just not quite done it um, here at the moment there are bits and pieces uh, he was third after three rounds of the players in his history, he was seventh after three rounds at uh, Bay Hill at the Arnold Palmer. Um, 2019 Farmers, he was fourth after three rounds, and the Byron Nelson, he was top ten after three rounds. So he can do it in um, really, really decent company. Uh, as I say he's top 25 in T Green, he's top 25 in par four performances. Um, I, I had I had the figures down, but I didn't change it after last night, so I've just made it top 25. Uh, and there's something, there's something there. I don't know where it is. I don't know when it's going to come. But <laughs> I'd like to be on when it is. So um, I, I can't back him on a 7,600-yard course because he hasn't got – I don't think he's got the length to compete. Um, but he's going to do, and I'll take the chance if you're going to tell me he's 200 and say, on Betfair. He is 230 to one on Betfair, uh, and Lanto Griffin's 140. And I, I certainly think there's, there's play to come on those prizes because – the, the one 500 to one outsider in Luke Donald that I thought about talking is 170 to one on Betfair. So uh, we'll let that go for now. Um, Will, any more outsiders in this event for you? Uh, I did look at uh, Will Gordon as well. He, he was, uh, I think he was third here last year. He was, uh, yeah. He comes here on the back of some similar form, to be quite honest. A host of you know mid-leaderboard finishes and top 10 thrown in there for luck. But it's his putting that's a little bit worrying. He, he lost three and a half strokes at uh, the Charles Schwab and uh, still lost strokes at the Palmetto despite his, um, his, his solid final round at 64. I mean, that sixth final round, the thing that sort of attracted me to him, has he found something in, the, in his game in that round? I don't know. It's very speculative. But, you know, between 200 and 250 to one for someone who finished his third last year i just think it's worth chancing he's 34th in ball striking that should bode him quite well as i say 200 200 250 to one it is worth a couple of quid isn't it how many times do we hear in post-round interviews that oh yeah well, i had a, a nice round the, the previous sunday and, and it you know led me an awful lot of confidence and okay there's been a, a week's gap between that but like you say he was third here uh last time out and and you know 
the, the only thing I slightly worry about with him is that, like he's a name that's always stuck out to people because he went on that run and, and a lot of people and, and we kind of hear a bit more about him now is is that they're kind of priced on their upside and again he, he's he's a rank outsider here so it's not it's not like you're trying to take him. I think there was times when he was going down to sort of 66 and 80 to one. You know, he's all of a sudden he's back to 200 to one. So I don't think, you know, any any player around here, if you've got any case for them, then there really isn't anything to argue. It's just I do wonder if if he is just going to kind of fade away into a bit of nothingness. But maybe I'm doing him. No, there, there's every this. chance. Like like you say though, there was a point when he was he was 50, 60 to one and. You now see him back out at 200, 251. I just think it's worth a chance. Like you say, if, if something clicks in that final round and he's had an extra week to go away and work with it, hasn't he? So we'll see. I'm, you know, cue the missed cut, but um, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. But the only other two that really sort of appealed to me were, were well, I looked at Austin Eckroat and, and John Pack. They're two um, young guys who just turned professional. Eckroat. Yeah. Uh, opened up at 500 to 1 and that was snapped up pretty quick back of what he's been doing on the Corn Ferry he's, he's had, I think he's had a 7th and a 13th in his first two starts so he, he's certainly got a bit of potential uh, and, and no one wants to miss the bandwagon there but you look a little bit closer and, and John Pack's actually the better prospect of the two he, he was second uh, he reached a, a ranking of second in the, in the amateurs as opposed to Eckroat who only reached 11th you know, and then you look at uh, Davis Thompson as well. He's he was first, he ranked first in uh, in the amateur, and he's five hundred to one. So I, I'd I'd suggest swerving Ekro at two hundred and fifty to one years now, but maybe have a little dabble on um, on Pack or, uh, or or Davis at uh, five hundred to one because we've seen how meteoric these rises for these uh, these players can be with you know Zalatoris and Morikawa. So. One day they might be 500 to one. Next day they might be uh, 50 to one. So if you want to maintain a little bit of speculative interest, just have a little, keep half an hour on those two. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with David Thompson, Jason. That was a player that we spoke about, wasn't it? The RSM Classic, where we we thought he may go well as a as a Georgia boy, and uh, you know he he didn't do it there, but he done it in in 2019, tied 23rd. But he was tied 35th at the Palmetto last time out, and it was eighth in strokes going approach that week. So. Certainly, those would be a couple of rank outsiders, and and for me, you know, like I've just said, there, there really isn't much. I mean, Austin Eckro, those seventh and thirteenth came on a Corn Ferry tour, but he was actually twelfth at the Mayakoba as well, wasn't he? Um, he was, his first yeah. Regular season sort of start on the PGA tour, so the final round sixty-five there, sixty-seven, sixty-five over the weekend, which is which is a really good trait to see because you know, for for a young guy to go in and and shoot low over the weekend when. You know, he'd expect all the pressure to be on. Uh, you know, really is good to see. So I think I think there's certainly, like I say, three there to keep an eye on. Um, as I said previously, Luke Donald seems to be showing some life, which you know I don't know if that's going to be long lasting because he, you know he's he's short and crooked off the tee, which is not a good combination in today's game. But there we go, Jason. Any thoughts on any others? Uh, did John Augustine make the? Um... I think, he's, I think he's. I think he is. He hasn't actually been priced up yet, but I'm pretty sure he was on the on the Monday qualifiers there. Did he make it through? It, so. It'd be interesting because uh, he showed his bit of form top twenty in the um, Charles Schwab yeah. uh, last time, uh, and obviously he has got really decent amateur form. Um, played the Masters, obviously didn't stand the over tree. Um, we put up in the Masters that never was <laughs> uh, to its top amateur, but there we are. That's like. Um, 
he'd be one I'm, I'm, I'd, again another player that's just come off really if you like just come off the amateur ranks he'd be one I'd be quite interested in seeing how he does throughout the next few months but no to be honest that is it, it I think as uh, Will says you know there are there are possibilities here but take it light after that weekend we've got the open coming up when you can, and you know you want to save up more to have on McIntyre don't you so um, don't do it this week <laughs> Yeah, don't don't blow your load and, and blow it all in on uh, Robert McIntyre in the Open this year. But he will do it one year, won't he, Jason? Whether it's forty no, years no, or fifty years. Win, no, 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 he wins this year. Just don't oh, lose this, your money this, this year. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope so, mate. Yeah, I've ordered the car. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so as well, um, because I don't pay you enough to cover those car payments if uh, if he doesn't win. So. Um, <laughs> Look, I'm going to summarise our picks this week. <laughs> it's good you don't put your stock in me, isn't it? Um, Antoine Rosner at 28 to 1 uh, over in the BMW International Open is my shortest price selection of the week. Steven Jaeger there at 70 to 1, who Will is also keen on. Ross Fisher at 125 to 1. Um, and Ewan Ferguson at 200 to 1 of my definites. And then Jack Kroiswick at uh, 151 and Reese Enoch at 250 to 1 are two that I'll look at to uh, get on side at some point as well. Uh, Jason, your picks in the International Open for me. Yeah, I want to oppose the front two, definitely. So I've gone with uh, JB Hansen, uh, Dodo Molinari, uh, Adrian Otegi, Brandon Stone, and you've convinced me, and why not? It's ridiculous. I've been on him twice this year. John Catlin. Um, <laughs> So that's, a, that's a, 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 I think, a really decent hand against the Yeah, I think that's a strong team there. Will, your picks for the International Open for me? Yeah, just the two for me, John Catlin and uh, Stephen Yeager. Um, just keep it nice and simple, I think, over there. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, over at the uh, the Travellers, I've, I've really convinced myself that Russell Henley, 55-1, to one, and Mackenzie Hughes at 110-1 are a really, really good value. I know that there's going to be doubts over them sort of falling away on Sunday, but... You know, I just think that their course form, their their current form, their prices are, are absolutely superb. Um, Ricky Fowler, I think he's showing plenty of life. It's a case of when, not if, I think, as Jason said, and, and maybe I'm sort of picking the wrong course, but 70 to 1 was fine for me. Brendan Steele, 125 to 1, I thought was interesting. And I think once Luke Donald goes out to 1,000 to 1 on Betfair, I'll probably throw a few shillings on him, as would maybe look at Davis Thompson as well. Um Jason, your picks for the Travellers. Uh, I find it very hard to think that Kenley and Casey will be out of the frame. Um, they look absolutely rock solid to me. So those two, Keegan and Bradley, they're the main bets. Um, and somehow, Lanto Griffin, Doug Gim. And yeah, if John Augustine is in it, and he's a million, um, something with, with Augustine in it, just because I, like Will said, I don't want to not be on when he actually does something. Yep, completely like those as well. Will, your your selections for the Travellers Championship? I think I'm going to have to take Casey on in some form. Um, like Jay says, I can't not see him being up there or around. So Casey in some form. Um, Sam Burns, that's uh, definitely eight places with him. Uh, I'm going to have Patton Kazaya. Uh, I will take on Will Gordon as well. And I'll probably have a couple of shillings on... Um, on Pack and Davis Thompson, just for to maintain the interest. Yeah, like we say, I think that these these kind of high potential players. I mean, Jason, how many times I sort of mentioned that Chabertier before? I kind of got to a point where I couldn't bet him anymore with no returns. But you, you, you do, you just these guys. Are, and I think the trouble is everyone's going chasing for for what Morikawa and what Wolf did and and what. Will's Adoris has done since he's gone to PGA Tour, so there is the fear of that. But all the time they're 
four, three hundred, five hundred, whatever. You know, there is you really haven't got to invest a lot. So I think it's certainly worth uh, clicking on to them. Jason, Will, thank you very much for joining me this week. Um, you've both kind of carried me along because I do not know what I'm doing really this week. Uh, very, very tired from a West Coast major. Um, I say this week, it's most weeks I don't really know what I'm doing. I just let the guests carry me on. Um, but look, thank you guys for coming on and uh, good luck and uh, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Will. Thanks for coming on, mate.